the BNB chain was halted, halted after a billion dollar hack. Bankless Nation, happy second Friday of October. It is roll up time. It's also a special DevCon roll up. David, you are hanging out in Bogota, Colombia at DevCon this week. How's it going, man? Really good, man. Uh, Bogota is a ton of fun. Uh, and DevCon is just going absolutely fantastically. There's there's so much energy here at DevCon, and it does kind of feel like the last like bonfire of energy in this bear market in the crypto space, but everyone is just really excited to be at DevCon. The talks and content is just very, very rich. Uh, just people are stoked, man. People are really stoked to be here. Did David, DevCon is an Ethereum-specific conference, or is it wider than that? And then, like, this is the first time it's been in person in a while because of, you know, mm -hmm. COVID and everything else, right? So this is the first time the entire Ethereum community is, is there. So, like, give us a sense of the vibe right. and to what DevCon actually is. Yeah, yeah, DevCon is, I would say, like, the foundation of much of the rest of global Ethereum conferences. It is the... Uh, well, it's not only actually anymore, but it is the conference thrown by the Ethereum Foundation. So yes, it is Ethereum specific. In years previous, however, there has been many other uh, exposures to other chains. Um, EOS and, and Ethereum Classic famously were had a significant presence and Algorand has significant presence at, um, uh, when was it? Uh, Osaka. Uh, which was the last DevCon that happened in 2019. There has not been a 2019? DevCon. 2019? Right. There has not been a DevCon in three years. And that's it's actually made uh, this DevCon many, many people's first DevCon, including myself, which many people are surprised. Like, oh, David, you're like, you've been in crypto forever. This is your first DevCon? Yeah. Uh, and many other people are, have also like not been able to go to the DevCons uh, prior. I remember DevCon uh, 2018 in Prague. I had just gotten into crypto and I like, I was just like, you know, a, couldn't, couldn't convince my company to send this like person that they just hired all the way to Prague <laughs> to go to DEF CON. Uh, and then 2019 was Osaka and like kind of, kind of the same deal. Like if Osaka was going to be a four or $5,000 trip and ether was like a hundred dollars, I was like, I really want to go, but like, <laughs> I, I'd have to sell some ETH. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have future. to not buy some ETH. And so this is my, my and, and many others first DevCon. Uh, and it's, it's, I mean, Ethereum as an ecosystem is just completely different from last DevCon. Last DevCon yeah. was 2019 at like one to $200 ether. And there was no DeFi, very little DeFi, absolutely no zero layer NFTs, twos. no layer twos. Uh, Plasma was our scaling solution at the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and so like, the, it's just a fundamentally different DevCon. Uh, and ma they made this really cool video. I'm going to see if I can get the video from the EF uh, and just do something with it. But they made this really cool intro video. And man, I got goosebumps, dude, of just like the road to DevCon and like what it took to get here going through like all like, you know, ETH DevConnect, the merge, EIP. It, it was like a speed run of the last like three years of Ethereum history in That's like awesome. this really cool animated like promotion video. It was really, really cool. And I, I know this is a Ethereum community, Ethereum ecosystem, and it's, it's heavily like a dev, the dev and DevCon yes. stands for developers. So yes. it's, it's a heavily uh, developer centric kind of uh, conference. Mm -hmm. Like how many people are there? We're in the thousands, right? Oh, in the many, many thousands. Uh, okay. I I don't know numbers, so I'm going to spitball here. I think something like eight to ten thousand people. Wow. Maybe don't less. quote David on that. Maybe though. less than that. Five to ten thousand. How about five, that? Definitely five thousand. Like five thousand feels definitely very safe. 5, yeah, I'm going to go with like eight thousand ish. Um, but you're and you're totally right. And like the it is. I, I was talking to people about this at, at DevCon. It's not even like application layer stuff. There's not many like DeFi apps or NFTs conversations at all. 
the conversations are the Ethereum protocol, EIP 4844, uh, account abstraction, uh, post-merge stuff, uh, layer twos, uh, like it's like staking infrastructure. Uh, it is some we are deep in the protocol. Deep huh? in the protocol stack, like we are not. This the focus of this conference is like below the application layer. So like not even DeFi apps have exposure here. Uh, are you seeing any suits? Any suits and ties coming? <laughs> no <on>? suits. No <laughs> suits. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, all you suit wearing mm-hmm. dapper, uh, you know, ge- gentlemen and and gentle ladies. That's just you know. It's nice to just kind of chill yeah. and, and be with the developers and kind of wearing whatever is comfortable. You know, you know what's uh, also been fun, Ryan? What? I don't think you know this. No hay mucha gente que sepa eso, pero puedo hablar un poco español, sí. So, está hablando español aquí en Colombia. So, it's been a little bit of fun. I've been practicing my wow. Spanish. Wow. Well done. Yeah. How, yeah. How's it holding up? How's your Spanish holding up with the natives? Uh, you know, in, in bien. Yo vive en Guatemala para dos meses. Uh, yo vive en uh, Ar- uh, Argentina para dos uh, semanas. So uh, yeah, I've been like shaking off some rust, but it's been good. That sounds impressive, actually. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Bankless, Bankless Nation, rate David Spanish right now for us <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> tell him, tell him how he did. Uh, but you gotta appreciate the effort, right? That was great, yeah. David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway, we got a lot of topics to cover this week. The first is, of course, DevCon. What's going on? There have been a slew of announcements coming out of DevCon that we got to talk about. Also, big announcements, big announcements big that announcement. people are super surprised by. Yeah, so we're going to cover that. Also, we have the BNB chain that was halted, halted after a billion dollar hack. David, are chains supposed to halt? <sighs> not, not the Ethereum chain, but <laughs> we'll talk about whether it's appropriate for other chains. And finally, we've got uh, the ultimate showdown, I think. David Hoffman versus Janet Yellen. Yes, David Hoffman ding, 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 from ding. the Bankless <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that, all right? Mm-hmm. David has been named as a co-plaintiff mm-hmm. in a case against Treasury, but it's not a bad thing. It sounds like a bad thing, actually, mm-hmm. but it's actually a really good thing. We'll get into that. And of course, as always, make sure you like, subscribe, and review wherever you're watching this, wherever you are listening to it. Get with your morning coffee. Here's my, with your, here's my with es- your espresso co- with zero sugar or milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. I, I bet the coffee in Colombia is pretty tasty, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> David, let's get to markets. Uh, Bitcoin Ooh. this week. How are we doing? Uh, it's down. It's a down a solid 9%. Uh, so start of the week at 20,200, ending the week at 18,400. Oof, oof, oof. <sighs> down week, sad music. Okay, how about ETH? Down as well. Yeah, down a little bit more, down 10.5%. Start of the week at 1370, ending the week where we are now at 1240, 1220-ish, give or take. David, do you think we're going to dip on ETH below 1,000 again? I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, in certainly on the, in the cards. It's certainly in the cards for sure. It's certainly in the cards. Not going to say no. Not going to say yes. Um, I'm veering towards yes on that. Mm. Doing I mean, if we if we roll back at the last bear market, we hit $80 and then we hit like $92 and then we hit like $95 across like 18 months of time. What's uh, our low right now on ETH? Uh, I think I think it's like 800 870 yeah. And that was and, a quick And spike. your boy bought 897. So that is the <laughs> best bottom tick I have ever done. <laughs> All right. So uh, D- D- David timed the market really well at that time, but maybe we'll For be now. below that. <laughs> For now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to um, beat David and buy uh, 800. And what'd you buy? Shush. Get out of here. What'd you buy? 800. So I'll, I'll do 890. You're going to set your limit orders for 896? Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm going to set my limit orders for 895. <laughs> 
<laughs> and on we go. And this is how we end up with no cash. This is, and this all is how you get price discovery. <laughs> I guess we're laughing about this, but um, it is a pretty steep bear market. I mean, like we we are like at this these prices, we are um, below the all time high of the last cycle, which was like mm-hmm. fourteen forty something yeah. like that. So. Yeah. Um, We'll talk about why this might be the case. It's all screaming macro to me. Um, how about the ETH to Bitcoin ratio? Are we down on that too? Yeah, down a little bit, 2.5% down to 0.663. And how's the crypto market cap holding up overall? No longer being measured in the trillions. We are now at $934 billion. So well below $1 trillion market cap. We lost our T status. We lost back the to the Bs. Yeah, um, the Bs, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about macro, okay? Because yeah. this is the cause Why of some is this of all our happening? problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening to us? Why us right now? <laughs> of course, crypto crypto goes in cycles. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the the catalysts and the things that are like pre- preventing uh, some of the crypto markets from from rising again is uncertainty in macro. And boy, there's a lot of uncertainty these days. The big news this week was the CPI number. That is the September inflation report just came out, and uh, David. The numbers are higher than expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, rose 8.2% in the year that is annualized through September. I think expectations were hoping for 8.0, 8.1, so a little bit higher on that. And we're still in the 8 range, David. Uh, so not good. I guess just to recap, um, in August... We were CPI of 8.3%. That's annualized, of course. In July, 8.5%. In June, 9.1%. So from June to September, from an annualized perspective, we went from 9.1% to 8.2%. So we're still down, um, but you know we're not down as much as uh, some analysts, and I think the market was hoping for and expecting. And so do you know what this means, David? Uh, Powell. Numbers go down. Numbers go down, and also Powell wants one number to go up, which is the um, the interest rate. And so the next Fed meeting is November 2nd. Uh, the market's anticipating another 0.75 uh, basis point hike. So that is definitely coming down the uh, the pike for us. And um, yeah. I mean, this oh. is just simply like uh, rate hikes will continue until inflation comes down, right? So this is like pretty exactly. straightforward, I'd say. The beatings will continue until right. morale improves. Yeah, and exactly. so we've got some more beatings uh, to go mm-hmm. through from from the Fed. It's an interesting question. I think a question that we, we want to bring some macro folks here to answer on Bankless, which is like, is this actually effective? Can you break the back of inflation by raising rates? I mean, um, the story, the narrative keeps going back to like Paul, like Volcker, uh, the Fed chair of the 1980s who allegedly broke the back of inflation. Uh, is that really what did it? Or conditions different? Or there other factors at play? I would love to get in a conversation with, with somebody on the macro side about whether this strategy is actually effective. Uh, but in the meanwhile, David, you could see the sell-off, the sell-off event when those Ooh, Those are some uh, large higher. down candles. Yeah, this is the S and P five hundred, gold, Bitcoin, and euro, all just tanking in a single candle as soon as this report came out. Exactly, global correlation. Yeah, this is one of those uh, moments where like correlations all go to one when times are bad. That's (laughs) exactly what this looks like. Yeah, that's what's happening. But I I will tell you one thing, which is which is kind of interesting, is how crypto is faring relative to uh, traditional markets. Here's, Here's kind of one stat. So after. Um, the CPI numbers came in. 
the U.S. 30-year bonds were down 2.5 percent, as you, as you might expect. So bonds go down, um, but also ETH was down 2.5 percent. Hmm. It was interesting. Like hmm. the uh, the risky asset, you know, you'd expect ETH to go down by 2.5 percent or a lot more. It was down the same amount as bonds. Hmm. Bonds are supposed to be the stable asset, and they're not performing as the stable asset in this market. So I start to wonder if like. Um, well, have crypto markets bottomed? Is are you know are is prices and some of the volatility shifting to more of the traditional markets? That could be right. what's happening. My my take here is that the hot air has already left the crypto industry, <clears throat> and so when macro goes down, we we're, we're also going to go down with it, but we're not going to go down in an outsized way. Like we went down in an outsized way from January to May of 2022, and then everyone got liquidated, and now we've kind of like found some sort of floor-ish. And as that floor lowers because of macro, we will we'll follow that floor down, but we're not going we're not going to like puncture through that floor in the same way that we did in the first half of this year. That's my take. I largely agree with that. I think crypto already took took its lickings and, and mm -hmm. got beaten down and um, now traditional markets are taking theirs. This is a we, tweet like, from zero. People are underappreciating the fact that we do not have another three hours capital like leverage event. And like maybe maybe we do because you don't really know if you have one of those or not, so it's kind of impossible to claim. But I, I don't know, man. Like if it ha if it would have happened last time, like we already did that. Yeah, uh, I can't and imagine there's a second one. The things that are still standing are now on much more firm, solid foundation. Um, this is a tweet from Zero Hedge. The Fed finally did it. They broke the market. The Dow Jones, which is of course the 30 largest industrial stocks on the planet, is now officially more volatile than crypto. This is a volatility index of um, uh, Dow Jones uh, and crypto versus uh, U.S. dollars, and so the stock market now performing with more volatility than crypto. That that lends a bit more credibility to to what you just said, I think, David. Yeah, and this is a, a theme that I have been trying to just uh, get into people's heads because I think it's I think it's the right theme. Where uh, and I've I've said this in a number of different capacities where. Uh, crypto is becoming more and more suitable for mainstream while the mainstream world is needing crypto more and more and more. And this is this is related to like our Web 2 versus Web 3 apps like Facebook uh, algorithms, rage, rage algorithms are like pushing us and like, oh, I kind of understand why we need Web 3 a little bit better. Like there's an adoption story here. The other time I've articulated this is that like normal, the normal world is getting more chaotic as crypto is becoming more stable. Uh, and that, and so I'm taking, this is me taking a victory lap, Ryan. Like when the Dow Jones is more volatile than Bitcoin, like this is the old world's getting more chaotic and crypto's getting more stable. And this is going to be one of the great, if, if it's like the, the Benjamin button, like me, uh, like we were yeah. now like crossing and, and yeah, now crypto is like the, the stable age. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think what you're saying is the victory lap is not that you're happy that Dow Jones is going down, but, but you're kind of saying like, you predicted that, um, all the naysayers who said, look, crypto is too volatile for, for mainstream. Like we've, we've long said, people in crypto have long said, uh, just wait, the whole world's getting more volatile and that volatility is coming to you, to you as well. And crypto is just a bit more of a, an honest market in terms of uh, pricing that in early. And I think that that is exactly what's happening. Um, this is uh, uh, another tweet um, from Jim Bianco. This is the early 20, he says this, the early 2020, pre-pandemic peak in the S&P 500 was 3,393. As I write, and he's writing October 13th, so this is on a Thursday. As I write, the S&P 500 is 3,493, 100 points away from erasing the entire 
post-pandemic bull market. We just erased that entire pandemic bull market. All of the the money printing that went to stocks, it's gone now. We're back Mm -hmm. to where we were in early 2020. That's pretty astounding when you think about it that way. Yeah, that is quite astounding. And it's also worth noting that in early 2020, Ether was $100 and Bitcoin was like $4,000 or $5,000. And so like crypto has made significant strides in in the same time that the legacy markets has just gone full circle. Yes. And despite it, of course, if we're looking at now a uh, the speed of the U.S. interest hikes, look at this. 2022, the fastest speed at which the Fed has ever increased interest hikes, at least ever in kind of like modern history, uh, it seems like. So they are on a tear to increase interest rates and no signs of stopping yet. Uh, we'll see if something breaks before they do. David, meanwhile, on the crypto monetary policy side meanwhile. of things... <laughs> ETH went ultrasound last week. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so uh, last week, since the merge, we had issued 13,000 Ether, about 13,500 Ether. So last week, the new post-merge Ether issuance was 13,000. Today, seven, eight days later, the post-merge Ether issuance is 7,100. We have burned about 6,000 Ether in the last seven days. And so where we have been previously uh, up to last week, we were inflationary. The last seven days has been extremely deflationary. We've almost cut out 50% of all issuance in the last seven days. And this goes back to what I was saying last week. It's easier to burn Ether than it is to issue it. And you can recover a significant amount of Ether issuance in a short amount of time. So we've we've like taken three weeks of issuance and like deleted it inside of one week. Um, previously, I think the issuance rate of Ether, the inflation rate, the, it was 0.22% up until at the very peak. We are now down to 0.08% in, uh, since the merge. Uh, and so this is really cool. This is really, really cool. The less cool thing about it is, okay, why is this happening? Why are gas prices like sustaining 30 guay and sometimes getting up to 100 again? Um, it's because of, of a Ponzi. <laughs> <laughs> Zen crypto. It's Zen crypto it? thing. Yeah, I actually haven't looked into it myself, but this was the discussion at, at um, DevCon. And so I'm kind of regurgitating what I heard is apparently this is like the new Ponzi thing. Um, but this also goes back to my other take that Ether is the index of Ethereum and you don't have to buy every single token to have exposure to Ethereum. Maybe you this should, Ponzi just comes and goes. Every single token. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Maybe this Ponzi comes and goes, but it's it burnt it's burnt for, for almost five thousand ether along the way. Uh and so uh yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is really cool. Generalized and, exposure and, to Ponzi's nice. <laughs> well, this is um and other things among them, and but like things. um th- this is an example. So ETH was ultrasound on the week. It's not ultrasound overall since the merge, but it could easily like you get another week like this, and it basically is. And uh, what we're talking about, of course, is, again, a 94% issuance reduction post-merge. And uh, that has not been priced in uh, from the markets at all. And the the reason is because, like, during bear markets like these, uh, demand simply vanishes for Ether as NASA. Everyone's kind of scared, so demand vanishes. But in, in the backdrop, a lot of supply is getting eliminated as well. And so once that demand recovers, I would expect to see some, like, rocket ships, like, back up because we have much less supply uh, to work with and there's much less availability. I think I think that's the right take. I think Ether burned, Ether removed from the market, I don't think does too much when prices go down. Like I don't think this ETH burn is going to save Ether from setting new lows. It's not. But, but once demand 
comes back, like you said, it becomes the upside becomes highly sensitive. Uh, and so it is easy to recover uh, price, I think, as soon as there's any amount of like meaningful new buyer, net new buying of ETH. Uh, I think that's right. Guys, we have a lot more coming up in the roll-up. David's going to get to all of the DevCon announcements mm-hmm. that he saw well in Bogota. And also, I'm going to talk about the Binance Smart Chain pause. Why did it pause? What happened? Did they roll back the chain? Talk all about that. And then Hoffman versus Janet Yellen, the fight <laughs> of the century. It's coming to a court near you. David can't talk about it, but I can, and I'm going to. <laughs> How convenient. All of this and more coming after we talk about these fantastic sponsors that made this episode possible. A lot of big announcements coming at DevCon, mostly on the protocol layer of things, as we were talking about in the intro. David, you want to take us through a few of these announcements? Uh, yeah, 100%, because they're the really cool stuff. This is the uh, the building uh, being expressed here at DevCon. So we'll start with this one. This is at uh, Liam on Twitter. Uh, last night, uh, and he's from the uh, the Scroll team, last night we officially announced the upgraded version of our ZK EVM testnet over at Scroll. This is a huge milestone for both the Scroll team and incredibly early community. Let's break down what this upgrade means for developers and users, and there is a tweet thread in the show notes if you want to learn more. Scroll's ZK EVM testnet is debuted, uh, and so if that is interesting to you as a developer or a tinkerer, that is now something that you can go play with. Um, and so congratulations to the Scroll team. This is definitely... The the ZK rollups are definitely a very hot conversation here in Bogota and overall in the crypto space. Uh, and the, I mean, this, this is scroll between scroll polygon and ZK sync. This is like one of the, one of the big three of the, of the ZK EVM teams. Uh, and now we got a ZK EVM on testnet ready to go. Wouldn't you and, also add Starkware maybe as a fourth? No, is it probably no, Starkware is not a ZK EVM. They have not ZK EVM, you know, because because uh, they don't actually have an EVM because you have to kind of write it in Cario. Mm-hmm. Is, it, Ky- is Kyra, this why? Yes, correct. Yeah, they, they are a non-EVM compatible uh, uh, ZK ZK rollup. Yes, correct. This is actually coming faster than I thought. So Super um, fast, yes. B- big move for Scroll. And they, they are purporting to be the most... Uh, EVM equivalent of them all, of course. Yes, that is um, that is their competitive advantage. That is their like angle. They are a uh, trying to be as EVM equivalent as possible beyond EVM compatibility. Um, and so there there is a fight for EVM equivalence. Uh, our Optimism and Arbitrum are, are fighting over EVM equivalence. Scroll and Polygon are fighting over EVM equivalence. zk Sync is specifically uh, a f- one firm in the Z, uh, EVM compatible camp. Um, that is their competitive a- advantage. A little bit in the same angle as like why Starkware wanted, wanted Cairo. A little bit highly optimized uh, language or, or just some kind of tinkering. Um, but but um, ZK Sync is like a little bit in the middle. Like definitely want to maintain uh, EVM compa- compatibility, but they think that they can make uh, optimizations that um, are better than the ZK EVM uh, or the, uh, an EVM equivalent rollup. Uh, so that is their that's their territory. Well, speaking of um, Arbitrum, which you just mentioned, uh, they had a big announcement too. What are, what are they uh, talking about? Yeah, this is huge. They have acquired Prismatic Labs, Pry Labs, uh, Prism. A layer one client. We have a layer two optimistic rollup acquired a layer one client team, which is crazy. No one really thought that you could really do this. Uh, and so uh, this has caused a ton of conversations in the space as to what this actually means. Um, but Prism is like the most used client in Ethereum. Uh, the, the One of the few people, the few first teams 
to come out and build, start building an ETH2 client, which is now uh, now what we call Prism, uh, and that got acquired by Arbitrum. So Preston Van Loon, Raul, uh, all of the Prism team, I think there's 10 or 15 of them-ish, uh, are now uh, under the Arbitrum umbrella. Uh, and they are, of I course, going to continue working on Prism, but now Prism is just a product of Arbitrum. This is kind of cool in that in that it kind of means funding secured, right? Yes. Like b business model secured for mm -hmm. um, for the team that's building mm -hmm. a, a crucial client. Um, there and obviously this is very you know good for Arbitrum and you know I believe Arbitrum when they say they're going to continue to support this and continue yeah. to maintain its credible neutrality. I think there have been um, some concerns about this though. Mm -hmm. Is what happens if a layer two team kind of maybe tries to buy it, bias the layer one client in some way, or you know is this unfair to other layer two? So there's been some of that. I don't know what to make of that. We don't necessarily need to get into the arguments, but what I will say is the feedback from that I've heard from Raul and Preston Van Loon and others. Is they're just excited about this. And I know those individuals are here for the right reasons. And I don't think mm -hmm. they'd be excited unless they had a, a path to preserve the values of Ethereum that they really care about. So um, I'm pretty optimistic about this overall. I actually had the opportunity, I was in a, a cab with Preston for like 20 minutes where we kind of talked about this. Uh, so I, have, I can regurgitate some takes here. I'm gonna see if I can get him into an actual uh, interview uh, after, right after this um, over at DEF CON. Uh, but we were also hosting uh, Preston and Steven from Arbitrum and, and Prismatic on Tuesday, uh, this next Tuesday for State of the Nation to talk all about this. Um, but, but Preston, like one of the big reasons why he's so excited about this and then the whole team is, uh, him and Raul were running a company, right? They, they were managing like the grants incoming from the EF uh, where they were previously getting funding for. And they were doing like HR and like paying salaries and like normal company stuff. But they're builders, like they just want to tinker. Uh, and so now that they are being like put under the larger Arbitrum umbrella, like they don't, he doesn't have to like do any of the business operation stuff, uh, which I think he like, you know, if, if you're a builder, you just don't really like to do yeah. that. Also, like uh, salary bonus, salaries are going up because they're going from grants to like EF grants to, again, under the Arbitrum umbrella. Uh, and I mean, they also get they also get to uh, just like be financially compensated for all of their hard work, uh, which, you know, grants grants aren't a business model. Um, yeah. So, but so like, so uh, everyone's like super happy about it over on the Prism team. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Look, and if worst case scenario, they're not going to go evil. But if they ever went evil, it's open source code. Some other team could fork it, take it, and run with it. So, um, I think that's a net win for the ecosystem. David, speaking of net wins, uh, the makers of zk Sync just launched their Layer Three test net. Now, Steve from zk Sync was talking all about Layer Three on a State of the Nation that we recorded with him. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, and they're already on testnet for this. What is what is this uh, announcement telling us? Yeah, so ZK Sync's mainnet is coming in like 20-ish days. We might actually be in the teens on that. So ZK Sync is actually much further along than the other two ZK EVM teams, um, Scroll and Polygon. So their mainnet, their ZK EVM mainnet is coming very soon. And so they have uh, the, their announcement today is that their layer three test nets, which are their, their app chains, their hyper chains, whatever you want to call them, uh, their, their test nets for layer threes is now going live. Uh, so they are like uh, a decent step ahead of the other layer two teams because they are now working on their layer threes. This is the same conversation as to keeping DYDX on Ethereum. DYDX had to leave Ethereum because they wanted to produce their own app-specific chain on Cosmos because layer threes were not ready yet in the side of the Ethereum ecosystem. And this is this layer three testnet is that what would have been a solution for 
uh, for DYDX. Uh, and so they're calling it Pathfinder. Uh, and so this is now uh, whatever it means to have a layer three testnet. I'm not too sure, uh, but it is now available for you. So another uh, big announcement from uh, Polygon as well, which we weren't really sure when their public testnet for the Polygon ZK EVM would go live. And it looks like it just went live at DevCon. So while ZK Sync is close to shipping on mainnet, it'll be a guarded release, by the way. It's a mainnet with, without any apps. It'll be kind okay. of like, a, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, with for, for, um, for Developers ZK Sync first anyway. Mainnet, yeah. Developers mm-hmm. first, so we won't be able to use it. Uh, for a while until they kind of, um, you know, release the floodgates. But meanwhile, uh, from Polygon ZK EVM, their testnet just went live as well. Any uh, takes on this announcement? You know, again, this is this is why the meta right now is the ZK EVM. And the, the, Vitalik I at Rollup Day, which was a, a, a Rollup themed uh, conference, one day conference hosted by Scroll, Vitalik gave a, a, his presentation uh, and talked about just like, yeah, the ZK teams have really astounded they're uh, shipping they're shipping hard yeah he he was he he was giving this narrative about uh, like uh how the zk evm the zk uh zk rollups were like going to be here in like 2025 to 2030 like sometime around there but bam no they actually came in 2022 and he said it's the one time that you actually see development is super accelerated beyond like, you know, the merge was delayed. Sharding's not even here yet. Everything about Ethereum has been delayed except for the ZK EVM teams. And you can see this all happening all at once at DevCon. Everyone saved their announcements to DevCon. Uh, the ZK EVMs are basically here. Uh, and so while, you know, we're all frustrated that like Ethereum development is slow, even though like, cool, now we have the merge. So I'm not really going to complain too much. Um, the ZK, the ZK layer twos are, are here and they are super exciting. It's not just about cheap and fast transaction uh, fees, Ryan. There's so much new doors that are opened up on a ZK roll up. Um, more content on that and the overall Bankless ecosystem coming soon. Um, well, we at Bankless are uh, cheering all of these projects on. Uh, way to go, everyone. Quick disclaimer on all of these uh, projects that we just mentioned. Ryan and I are an investors in Scroll. Uh, Ryan, I believe, is an investor in Arbitrum. Uh, we are both advisors to ZK Sync, and Ryan is an advisor to Polygon. Uh, so we are very, very involved in this Layer 2 ecosystem. Uh, and so those are those and also, And also David holds some ETH. He's been known to hold a little bit of ETH. I, oh, yeah. Also re- re- related to Ether, I also hold ETH. Yes. Bullish on ETH. <laughs> Disclaimers out. Um, Kevin Owaki, mm-hmm. he tweets this. I'm pleased to announce the launch of Super Modular XYZ. We are a venture studio that builds regen Web3 projects, often on top of adjacent or and adjacent to Gitcoin's protocols. Mm-hmm. What is this from yeah. Kevin Owaki? What is Super Modular? This was announced at DEF CON. Yeah, so Kevin Owaki, the founder, former CEO of Gitcoin, is, and Gitcoin is now a protocol. It is now a DAO. It is on its own. And he's largely stepped back from the DAO, kind of in the same way Satoshi stepped back from Bitcoin and Vitalik has stepped back from like He's even made time for a podcast, hasn't he? He's even made time for the Green Pill (laughs) podcast. Uh, And so Gitcoin is up and running and and just chugging along. Uh, And so now Kevin, uh, the perma builder that he is, has founded a centralized company that exists on top of the Gitcoin protocol. So I think super modular, the way to explain it simply is like the consensus for Gitcoin. Uh, a software studio that builds on top of the Gitcoin protocol. Uh, so Kevin Owaki just can't stop building. Uh, a founder and CEO yet again, um, back back building out something centralized on top of his the decentralized protocol that he helps steward. So 
just Kevin Owaki is just like, well done, sir. And I also think this is just a great model uh, of something that we see, I think we will see, and we have seen before and we will see again of founders building something, letting it become decentralized, and then building a centralized company on top of that decentralized thing. This is what we've seen with Hayden Adams and Uniswap. Uh, so Hayden Adams built Uniswap, released it to the wild. Now the Uniswap DAO is in control of Uniswap, and now he's the CEO of Uniswap Labs, a software company that is building on Uniswap. Uh, and so I think this model is going to be something that we're going to see over and over and over again throughout um, into the future. I totally agree, and I think it's a great model. Um, all right. Well, meanwhile, this is everything that's going on on DevCon. And I think you've got some more stuff to say about mm -hmm. DevCon a little bit later, but maybe we should talk about another event that happened this week, and that was yeah. on the Binance chain. So, sorry, the BNB chain. I think they've mm -hmm. rebranded this. This is not the yeah. Binance chain. Here's a tweet from BNB chain, the Twitter account. Due to irregular activity, we're temporarily pausing BSC. We apologize for the inconvenience. We'll provide further updates here. Thank you for your patience and understanding. That happened. That tweet was put out on October sixth. Mm -hmm. Was that last Friday, David? Yes, um, I believe that's right. And then they also follow up that tweet to say, to confirm, we have suspended Binance Smart Chain uh, after having determined a potential exploit. All systems are now contained, and we are immediately investigating the potential vulnerability. We know the community will assist and help freeze any transfers. All funds are safe. Interesting, because all funds were definitely not safe, Ryan. <laughs> All funds were not safe. Okay, so first of all, um, we could maybe we'll talk about the um, the exploit itself mm -hmm. and what that was. Um, but let me just you know, park this because we'll come back to it later. How bizarre is it that a Twitter account representing the chain itself can tweet like, "Hey, something went wrong. We just paused it." Mm -hmm. It sounds an awful lot like a centralized exchange to yeah. me. Like mm -hmm. you'd expect this from Coinbase. You'd expect this from FTX. Something happened. We're pausing things. But on a blockchain. A little bit weird. I, you, like the Ethereum Foundation, we're pausing the Ethereum chain because, I don't know, someone hacked the Ronin side chain. Like, what the hell? You're not supposed to be able to pause a chain. But let's talk about what actually happened. Here's an article from Decrypt. Decrypt reports that $566 million of BNB tokens were stolen from a bridge. So this was a bridge exploit, a bridge attack. Um, and then they froze the chain. Uh, and so as once the, the attacker got hands uh, their hands on an ex extremely large sum of money, they started to transfer it out as fast as they could in all the different uh, other bridges. So they bridged out to Arbitrum. I think they also bridged out to Optimism. They bridged out to Ethereum. But then they then they froze the chain. Uh, so the hacker managed to get away with $110 million. And then about $430 million was frozen and now is back in the custody of the Binance Smart Chain operators. Uh, and so the, you know, the freezing of the chain did save $430 million. Um, but the hacker has like $110 million of various crypto assets across the space, uh, because they bridged out. Uh, and so, oof, yeah, oof. Yeah, this is a, a summary of, um, of the hack. So since the BNB chain was suspended, the $430 million, uh, $430 million on it cannot be transferred any further. And this tweet goes through kind of all the details. We we'll include that in the in the show notes. Um, this is from Sam CZ Sun, who kind of goes over the hack and what actually happened. And it appears, David, that uh, the summary here is something went wrong. There was a bug in the bridge, mm -hmm. the Binance bridge itself. So uh, there's a bug in the way that the Binance bridge verified proofs, which could have allowed any attacker to forge arbitrary messages. I went through so this Sam Z Sun thread and it was an extremely yes. sophisticated bug. Uh, it was, the, I, I mean, I generally don't understand. Hard to find bug. It's a very hard to find bug, hard to reproduce. 
I think I think this bug has been in Binance Smart Chain since the beginning, which is kind of the crazier wow. thing. Um, so yeah, this is like uh, top. It's been in the bridge specifically. Yes, it's been in the bridge. It is a it is a ten out of ten complexity level bug. Um, so wow, crazy. So chain halted, everything frozen. Um, the good news is, if you if you think this kind of thing is is good news, is that they were able to um, get back a mm -hmm. lot of the funds. I think mm -hmm. um, how how much of the funds was Binance able to kind of like recover or freeze, or uh, was the hacker prevented from getting away with about, about a little over four hundred million, four hundred thirty million dollars? Yeah, so the, the hacker got so away they, with so one hundred ten million. Hundred ten million though. That's a that's a large large amount. Yeah. Um, so okay. So what do you think about this? I mean, there there's some people outside of crypto looking at this and being like, "Well, I'm glad the hacker didn't get away." Are you guys crazy? Uh, the cops were on the beat. They froze the chain. They stopped the hacker from getting what? Do you want the hacker to get away with like? half half a million right. dollars and who knows who the hacker actually is right the last time on the ronin side chain uh, turned out to be an, a state apparatus of, of north korea do you want these types of events to happen and here you are on bankless saying like oh it's it's um uh it's out of character of crypto values for a chain to be able to layer one chain to be able to freeze things uh, well, are you sure about that mm -hmm. do the ends justify the means in this case what's your take uh with that with that argument yeah, I, I mean, this doesn't. I don't really think this surprises many people. Uh, we Binance Smart Chain. There's that meme about like you know the the captcha of like you know select all the fire hydrants, and then there's the meme of like select all of the Binance Smart Chain validators, and it's just CZ's face like nine times. Like we, <laughs> we know that this is the state of Binance Smart Chain. This isn't really surprising to anyone. Uh, I, at least I that, don't. That, I don't it's think, centralized, that it's centralized. That they have the mm -hmm. ability to freeze. Right. That they will freeze if right. an event like this happens. You're yeah. saying no one was really surprised. We yeah. all knew this. Yeah, I, and so like I think that has been in the social contract of Binance Smart Chain. And so when we say like, yeah, this is against crypto values. Well, yes, in one way, it's definitely against Bitcoin and Ethereum values. I don't think it's necessarily against Binance Smart Chain's values. There's a certain social contract that Binance Smart Chain has, and I think there's no there's no secret that it, it is centralized and like plausible. And the fact that we have Ethereum, and again, Binance Smart Chain is an EVM fork of Ethereum, and then it's just juiced up Geth, so it goes super fast. Uh, we have the irreversible, immutable, decentralized version of that. It's called Ethereum, uh, and so. I don't. We don't need BNB to I, be that. Yeah, then. yeah. We we have that option. So if you would like to express those bankless values, you probably transact on Ethereum. If you prefer the more like a certain kind, a different level of settlement assurances, in the sense that uh, you trust that Binance Smart Chain operators like CZ uh, will be benevolent and do things that will prevent hacking and loss of funds and return. Like if you're an investor. And you see like Binance Smart Chain halted and gave money back to investors that were innocent. That might be compelling to you uh, in a, in, for some certain set of people. Uh, and so my take is that because we have Ethereum, I'm, I, I don't really care so much about Binance doing this. I, I would be much more cautious if, and much more like reserved if like they were like freezing funds of like the Uyghurs because the Chinese government told them to. That's a different story. Well, but that could but that could happen that could next, happen. Yeah. right? To be fair, now you have the, these 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 buttons that um, centralized validators uh, can press and have the ability to freeze. You'd expect that they wouldn't just be used for for hack type situations, right? But but largely, I agree with you. I, I think what this does though is it really reveals that. Um, BNB chain is a separate type of uh, 
platform, separate type of application versus something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? And so it is, it is a bit more like a bank. It is a bit more like kind of fintech. And I actually don't see a lot of difference between something like BNB chain and an actual like bank with a set of open APIs that you can build on top of. It's, it's, it's very similar. It veers in that direction. It's kind of like fintech. Where, where I have a problem is when people mistakenly think that they're getting into like DeFi. Right. When like, yeah. Or like that this thing is built on, uh, you know, a permissionless base layer. And really what you're kind of building is on a, you know, a set of validators, kind of like a, a, a bank API. That's, that's where I have a, a little bit of uh, the issue when it kind of masquerades or, or cloaks itself as being decentralized. And it's really, it's not nearly as decentralized as something like Ethereum. You could build on top of it. Maybe it's permissionless. Maybe it has some open APIs, but um, you can't put it in the same category as a Bitcoin or Ethereum. Right. And, and you touched on it just there, but just to drive that point, point home, and, and I guess I'm defending CZ today. Uh, you, it's permissionless to access. It's permissionless to build on. Uh, it's, it's like permissionless by default. But like on a bank, for example, you can only do certain things and you can't do anything else. On Binance Smart Chain, you can do whatever you want with the potential that CZ will stop you from doing that later. But you can enter, yes. the, you can enter Binance Smart Chain and do things freely in the same way of, you can with Ethereum. You just know that like, hey, you might get stopped after the fact. Where a bank stops you before the fact, Binance Smart Chain stops you after the fact, and then Ethereum doesn't stop you at all. So like it splits yeah. the difference between Ethereum and a bank. Well, what's interesting to me is like some, some, some people will say, well, David Ryan, that's, ex that's what users want. I mean, they want some level of protection. And like, I, I hear that and I agree with you. And I would say if you're a user that wants that, go use Binance Chain. But what I actually think is that the true users of layer one block space aren't individuals like you, myself, or like bankless listeners right now. They're actually other chains. And so the true users of layer one block space are going to be the ZK EVMs, the Optimisms, the Arbitrums, right? And the question for these chains is, what chain are you going to build on top of? Are you going to build on top of a chain where a small set of validators can like freeze things? Well, if, if you are, then you are completely giving up your sovereignty. You're not building on a credibly neutral uh, censorship resistant um, base layer, right? And so... That, that is more kind of what I think. If you're a user, go use whatever chain that makes sense to you, like recognize these trade-offs. But if you're a chain, which is where the big block space consumers are going to be in the future, you sure as hell aren't going to build on something like BNB versus uh, something that is much more immutable and has higher... Uh, security guarantees. Yeah, basically what you're saying is that uh, these choices, the specific social contract of Binance Smart Chain puts a limit as to like how much value can this thing actually host? Like how much, what is yes. the total addressable market? The addressable, total addressable market of pure, strong immutability and strong settlement insurances is much larger than weak settlement assurances. People can trust Ethereum much more. Um, and, and that's fine. And that's, that's the same take that I have about Solana and why Solana needs to stop going down because of settlement assurances. You need to be able to have assurances that your value is secured. Uh, and Ethereum has that market pretty well cornered. I will say like Ethereum, like if you're using Ethereum, I would consider you a user. If you're using Binance Smart Chain, I would consider you a customer. I would, I would use semantically oh, that's define. that's interesting. Yeah, I would semantically define it like that, yeah. Yeah, I um I kind of like that uh, that that distinction. I think it it draws the right um, mental models in people's mm -hmm. mind. Um, all right, speaking of distinction, speaking of mental models, actually, there's no segue here at all. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> David is suing the Treasury, guys. 
All right. <laughs> I'm I'm going to I'm going to kind of lead this story. This mm-hmm. is a, a post from the block. Coin Center sues Treasury over t- tornado cash sanctions. Of course, you know Coin Center, mm-hmm. they are um, a crypto-friendly legal group, lobbyist group based in DC. We've talked about them often on Bankless. We've had folks like uh, Jerry Brito and Peter from Coin Center on the podcast to explain what's going on in DC. And guess whose name is in this article? Guess whose name is on the lawsuit? My own co-host, if I can find it, uh, David okay. Hoffman. Where are you? There he is. Uh, David Hoffman says, and David Hoffman, a digital asset manager. There you go. <laughs> a digital you, asset you digital manager. Asset manager you. <laughs> but but let, let me read what's going on here. This is from Jerry uh, Brito from Coin Center. Um, he is uh, the lead at Coin Center. Today, Coin Center filed suit in federal district court against OFAC. Uh, that is uh, a branch of the treasury, challenging its authority to sanction Tornado Cash immutable smart contracts. You guys remember that. Tornado Cash was sanctioned. So no U.S. citizen can legally use Tornado Cash, a privacy mixer on-chain on Ethereum. Jerry goes on, not only are we fighting for privacy rights, but if this precedent is allowed to stand, OFAC could add entire protocols like Bitcoin or Ethereum to the sanctions list in the future thus immediately banning them without any public process whatsoever. This can't go unchallenged. Can you imagine that, the slippery slope here? We intend to win this challenge, even if it's necessary to go to the Supreme Court, and we'll keep you posted as the case unfolds. You can read more about our suit here. A big thank you to our co-plaintiffs, Patrick O'Sullivan, David Hoffman, and another Twitter handle here. And this is the actual filing itself. This is the first page on it. Listed as plaintiffs are our Coin Center, Patrick O'Sullivan, John Doe, and David Hoffman as plaintiffs versus Janet Yellen in her official capacity as Secretary of Treasury, Department of the Treasury, and it goes on. And uh, the entire complaint is listed here. Uh, I might read some sections on it, but David, I know you can't say everything at, mm-hmm. about this case as a co-plaintiff, but uh, what can you tell us? Why did you get involved in this? And uh, what specifically is your role as a co-plaintiff? Like, what are you filing this complaint against? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm, I'm suing Janet Yellen in, in Treasury because I received the dusting from Tornado Cash to David Hoffman.eth. Uh, I don't know who sent it to me. Permissionless Ethereum sent me, sent me money that is now OFAC uh, OFAC, uh, against OFAC sanctions. And so as a result of that, because somebody has sent it to my public address, which I couldn't prevent them from doing that. I now have to, I I had to file a report with OFAC saying, Hey, somebody did this to me and to take time out of my day, file this stupid report, like do all these stupid things. Uh, and then every single year, Ryan, for the rest of my life, I have to do it again. And so next year, I'm going to have to file the same report saying, hey, still have this illegal money. Uh, I still control it. Uh, It's still in my wallet. I'm not a criminal. And I have to do that next year. And I have to do that the year after that. And I have to do it the year after that. And the year after that for the rest of my life. And the thing is, Ryan, if somebody sends me ETH from Tornado Cash again, I have to do that again every single time. And so I'll file two reports and I'll file three reports. And so like the Treasury, as a result of their... Uh, in my mind, illegal uh, listing of a smart contract, which I can't do in my, in my mind, in my opinion, uh, I have to spend my life, my time doing this stupid bureaucracy stuff that I don't think I should have to do. Uh, and so this is an injury and I'm suing Janet Yellen and the Treasury. It's not only that, as I understand it, David, it's unclear whether those that were dusted, yourself included, but also like uh, like some celebrities, right? Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon, I think, was dusted. Mm-hmm. It's it's unclear. Shaquille O'Neal. 
it's Shaquille O'Neal. It's it's yeah. you're fighting for all of them. You're fighting yeah. for Shaq. You're fight, mm-hmm. you're fighting yeah. for Jimmy Fallon. You're, you're, I don't want them to have to fighting. waste their time either. It's not just wasting your time. I know that's a part of it, but it's also, as I understand it, Treasury has not said whether they uh, could legally, like legally, it seems like Treasury's stance is you are breaking the law even by receiving this. And so if you file, then you are a good citizen. Thank you very much. But they're only committing to deprioritize uh, charging you uh, for for this illegal action that you've undertaken. And what is the illegal action? Receiving some dust that somebody sent you and these other individuals without their permission from Tornado Cash. So um, this is awesome. I am so glad that Coin Center is stepping up here. David, uh, it's awesome that you're doing this, man. Like, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. The bankless community appreciates it. It's bankless AF (laughs) to take this to the court system. Uh, And uh, I'm proud of you, dude. Like, this is really cool. This is, I think this is a cool moment for crypto. By the way, I, I will say this isn't the only lawsuit mm-hmm. that we have. So we have two irons in the fire as a crypto industry. So there is the Coinbase lawsuit that's going on in parallel. And then there's this one from, from Coin Center. And I think that the hope is we have uh, two irons in the fire, two yep. approaches. One of these either wins or it gets all the way to the Supreme Court and then something happens. And the big macro fight here is the question of whether an American citizen can have on-chain privacy or not, all right? Um, and we have these we, we have these rights on the internet. I, I, I want you to know, every time you use encrypted communication protocol, like HTTPS or something like this, or you send encryption with, without um, a social media company spying on you or without the government spying on you, every time it's encrypted, we have that in our communication protocols, right? Are we going to, as a country in the US, allow citizens to have this in our value transfer digital protocols. That's what's at stake here. And if we lose this, as Jerry Brito was saying, we might lose the the larger battle of having a censorship, making it, it, they could make it illegal to run an Ethereum validator in the US, for instance, right? That that is kind of the the slippery slope. Why? Because unless you're running an OFAC, uh, you uh, you know, OFAC sanction compliant, ETH validator, you are maybe breaking the law, right? So we, we have to take this to the court system. It's a big, bold move. Uh, and uh, I just want to say on the behalf of the, the whole bankless community, everyone in crypto, we appreciate it, man. And we're, we're cheering you on. Um, I know you can't talk about it very much more. Uh, the good news is I can, all right? So I'm going to be keeping the bankless nation updated a bit more. And uh, in addition, guys, to cheering David on, what you can also do is donate to Coin Center because they are funding all of the legal expenses to make this happen. David, as I understand, this is not coming out of your pocket, right? So they're funding this. They are they are uh, representing, they're paying all the legal fees uh, to take um, Janet Yellen and Treasury to court over this. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, I, I could not do this without their support. So like, it's like David's face in the front, but it's entirely Coin Center in the back. Uh, Coin so Center mullet? <laughs> yeah, the Coin Center mullet, yeah. Uh, so thank you, Coin Center, for, for all of the support and, and help, helping spearhead this. Uh, coincenter.eth is where you can send money uh, for uh, if you would like to contribute. Um, at, at DEF CON, people, this, this went out, and, and so while I was walking around at DEF CON, and people were going up and, hey, like, congratulations on, like, the lawsuit. I'm like, oh, I guess congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But seriously, 
you know, congratulations. And I think it's going to take all of us kind of standing up if, if we're going to be able to protect our digital rights uh, in the 21st mm-hmm. century here. And a quick, quick speed, a quick speed run through uh, that. Remember that before Bitcoin episode that we did? Like we got, we, cryptography was made available because of a series of lawsuits that individuals sued the government and won in court. And that is why we have cryptography. And now we're just- 1980s, early 90s. It it was on the back of giants that we actually have the rights that we have today. And now we're doing it all over again, but now with cryptocurrency. Um, So running it back. Let's make history. Um, All right, coming up next, guys, we got a lot going on, including- a whole bunch of hacks that happened. October was hack month in crypto. Also, PayPal getting a little authoritarian. Also, PayPal is going to fine you $2,500 if you're politically incorrect, maybe because you said something on Twitter. We'll talk about that story. It's partially true. Um, partially, they've walked it back. And also, the SEC is coming after the board apes of Yuga Labs. We'll talk about all of that and more when we get back. But first, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Ryan, it is only the second week of October, yet we have hit all-time highs in hacks. Uh, So not necessarily good news, but so far October is the biggest month ever for hacks. $718 million across 11 different hacks. Um, This year, there's been a little bit more than $3 billion across 125 hacks. And of course, it's always cross-chain bridges which has always been the weakest link in this entire industry. Uh, It's accounting for 64% of this year's losses. Uh, So congratulations, October, for breaking the record of of hacks. And just another quick shill of the Ethereum Layer 2 ecosystem. You you eliminate bridges as much as possible in the Layer 2 bridges. You kill the bridges. Uh, And so cross-chain bridges, Layer 1 to Layer 1, sidechains, they're the weak link. They're the reason why we have all these hacks. Uh, Optimism superstructure, which is, uh, or super chain, which we're going to talk about at some point in the future. Uh, ZK syncs, like hyperstructure, all of these like single circuit uh, layer twos are the bridged, minimized scaling ecosystems. And that's why, that's why, that's how we're going to eliminate all of these hacks. So again, that's why we're always bullish on these layer twos. Anyways, congratulations to October for breaking records. Yes, and not bullish on uh, centralized bridges. (laughs) Not bullish on bridges. Mm -mm. Uh, This was another uh, hack that happened this week. A DeFi trading platform called Mango just lost $100 million in a hack. That's included in those October numbers. And I I think the hack here, David, was an Oracle attack of some sort. What's crazy is... um, Oh my God, it's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So why don't you read this out? So the hacker (laughs) stole $100 million from this protocol, exploited some kind of like an Oracle attack Mm -hmm. where he pumped the price and then you know through that exploit ran away with a bunch of money. And then uh, he said he was sorry and he Mm -hmm. posted to the governance form, uh, hey guys, uh, please uh, don't prosecute me. Why don't Mm -hmm. you read what this tweet is, David? Yeah, so the, the hacker who stole a bunch of these Mango tokens... Uh, posted a governance proposal to re, uh, the hacker said, "Hey, I'll pay. I will pay back the DAO, uh, the certain like a significant amount of the money, like most of the money, seventy or eighty percent, uh, and if the DAO agrees to not pursue legal action, and then because <laughs> the hacker owns all of the tokens, the hacker voted yes." <laughs> To the governance proposal. <laughs> to the, his own governance proposal <laughs> using the funds that he stole. I don't Checkmate, know. Checkmate, mango holders. <laughs> is code law? I don't know, but oh my God, this is. I don't like, think this kind of thing holds up. I don't, I don't think don't this think, holds up in court. <laughs> what's, the, what's the analog? I guess maybe you I, go. I have no clue, dude. There go is to no Wells analog. Fargo, steal a whole bunch of their money, steal a bunch of their shares, and then go to their shareholder meeting and they're like, 
hey, yeah. uh, don't prosecute me and I'll give you most of the money back. And then you vote. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you somehow like steal all the certificates. And now I now own a Wells Fargo because I own the certificates. But you don't own them because you stole them. That doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Only Warren Buffett could uh, has the uh, Wells Fargo um, shares to pull this off, I guess. Um, I actually think there's a take here, and that is um, we got to get really serious about hacks, okay? So $3 billion this year in hacks. That's a lot. And year's not even over, David. And uh, do, you, do you notice when things started to turn ugly in the U.S. from a regulation perspective? We're just talking about tornado cash. Um, it happened after the $625 million Ronin sidechain hack. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? And this was mm-hmm. when North Korea allegedly... Uh, some attackers from North Korea made off with millions of dollars and they pushed it through Tornado Cash. And this is when the, I, th- I feel like the U.S. popped its head up and and the, uh, the, the defense apparatus of the U.S. said, uh-uh, we don't like this. This is like, um, you know, against our national security interests to have these, because tor- what's happened is North Korea just got a new business model and that business model is, is hacking crypto. So, I, I want us, like, one of my thoughts here, one of my messages to crypto uh, here, the industry, is we think we're playing with these digital NFTs and these experimental DeFi games, but this has actually moved beyond that. I think crypto has taken uh, center stage in geopolitics, the geopolitical scene. That's what we've entered. We have nation states that are attacking protocols now. Not this guy from Mango. That was just that's the some guy. guy. That's guy. But in other cases, the run sidechain. Who did the, the BNB chain hack? We don't know yet. And while I think this is inevitable, and I think it's progress, um, hacks really matter. I think we no longer get to say, ah, it's going to happen. Hacks are going to happen. I think that's true, and I understand that's part of the experiment. But could you imagine a hack that was like 3% or 5% of all ETH supply and it went in the hands of like a rogue nation state? How is the, the U.S. national security apparatus going to react to that? It's going to increase pressure and suppress uh, citizen freedoms as a result of that. So I guess my message here is um, we as an industry need to get really serious about defense and spend more resources on crypto security and preventing these kind of things moving forward. Right, and again, it's one part, let's let's write better smart contracts, and it's another part is let's create systems that have less surface area for attack. Yeah, less bridges. (laughs) Less, Less bridges, bridges bad. Bridges, Brad. Oh, well, speaking of bridges, here's a cross protocol, a bridge <laughs> protocol. They just gave an airdrop. Uh, what's going it's on here? It's different, though. It's an Oracle bridge that lets you go from a one secure bridge to another secure bridge. And again, like- It's when, not a multi-sig when, bridge. When, uh, it's not a multi-sig bridge. And when Optimism and ZK Sync have their perfect uh, fraud proofs and they have their circuits down, like the Optimism super chain, like the many, many, many trains where there's a thousand layer three chains, there's not a bridge there. There is a single circuit. There is no bridge that is the cool thing about optimism and the, all these layer threes and the app chains on the layer two thesis. The bridges are gone. And so when you use this across, which is this t- airdrop we're about to talk about, and you hop from one bridge to another, it's it, you're, you're using a bridge, but you're only vulnerable in that one moment that you are using it, not persistently through all, all of time. Uh, and so anyways, sorry, ACX across <laughs> has an airdrop. So if you've ever used across perhaps multiple times, there's a different criteria for uh, being eligible for the ACX token. Uh, But a billion tokens has been minted and 125 million tokens will be uh, distributed through an airdrop through the people who have contributed to across. Uh, I am not uh, local to my wallet at the moment, so I don't know if I got it, but I'm a frequent acrosser, bridge or. 
uh, hopper, whatever you want to call it, not hopper. Cause that's, that's hop. Um, uh, but I'm probably, I think I got this airdrop, so I'm going to go home and claim it as soon as I'm done with DevCon. You guys will include a link where you can check that it's across two slash airdrop. And you can see if you're eligible for that. Um, David, there was a, a ruckus on Twitter as well that poured out about PayPal censorship. And, um, the first tweet I saw about this was uh, from David Marcus, formerly Facebook. Now he's working on a Bitcoin Lightning project. Uh, I believe he used to work at PayPal too. He's like an executive at PayPal. And this is as a result of PayPal issuing new um, terms of service for PayPal users. David Marcus says this, it's hard for me to openly criticize a company I used to love and gave so much to, but PayPal's new terms of service goes against everything I believe in. A private company now gets to to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. Insanity. And he links to a post that has now been taken down. But the post from PayPal uh, explicitly stated that they plan to target anyone who is sending, posting, publication of any messages, content, or materials that, quote, promote disinformation. And how would they do this? The company, PayPal, would just deduct $2,500 from your PayPal account if they deemed you were in violation, okay? So PayPal has since backtracked this, has called it um, a mistake. Uh, it's not very, it's not clear how these terms actually came to be and like why they were published, but they are distancing themselves from this and they are backtracking uh, from it. Here's a, a, a headline from Fortune and PayPal tells users it will find them $2,500 for misinformation, then backtracks immediately. And of course, you know, there is a take here that uh, maybe PayPal genuinely made a mistake. Um, who knows how this language got in? Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to rationalize an explanation for for how this could be accidental, but maybe some internal conversation that they never wanted to get out. Something like this. Uh, the, uh, the 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 I guess the devil's advocate take on that is well, maybe they were just like floating this idea and hoping it would go unnoticed, and there was such. Uh, a reaction from the entire ecosystem, not just crypto, but outside of it to this, that uh, they decided to withdraw and, and detract. But the big concern here is obviously, imagine a bank, a bank account like PayPal, digital account. You say something on Twitter. Maybe I don't like the fact that you're suing Treasury, David, and I'm PayPal, and it's uh, you know against my policy. Or, or maybe it's, it's, you, you tweet something and it's quote unquote misinformation. I can then just shut down your account. I can right. more. I could take money out of your hey, account. Hey, as we a don't fine? service people who sue the government. Like, could you imagine? Why not? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I, you just don't really know where this kind of things ends. What, what do you think about this? Is this a tinfoil hat conspiracy, no, or do no, you think that there's something I'm, here? I'm, I'm much less gracious than this, and I think that it's okay. actually quite obvious that like somebody chose that number. That number is specific. Somebody said, you know, <laughs> you, you know what we should do? Like we should fine people $2,500. We like, it doesn't, the fact that that number is explicit, it's not that like there's this detail of like PayPal reserves the right to deduct funds from your account. If you, uh, say something like bad or something, maybe you're a terrorist. I don't know. But like somebody had to choose $2,500. So somebody wrote that number down and said, this is the amount of money that we are going to deduct from your account if uh, under our discretion, like doesn't for matter. Misinformation spread. Whatever. Yeah. And like, and the reason why this is, so there's that, there's that take, but also like we know the world of payments is just a huge era of censorship. 
this is what this is what uh, like Amin Soleimani has been doing with like payment channels and, and spank chain. So like Mastercard, Visa, they won't support like sex work. For example, that is censorship. Marijuana industry is Marijuana, the same. Exactly. Bankless yeah. has been kicked out of a bank accounts. Right. Bank of America. We we're kicked out of Bank Bank of America for for mm-hmm. actually transferring money to Coinbase. Right. And this mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. This is the, and so we know the payments industry is ripe with censorship. I don't know like why it's so much, but it's like you can't run like a sex work company or like pot company without getting censored. Uh, and so th- this is part of like the big story of like why we need permissionless payment systems because you don't want to get debanked, deplatformed. Yeah, and I think they are uh, right now advertising crypto um, for us, and this is why we need to go bankless, of course. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, another reason to go bankless is uh, to add insult to injury, David. You know the Celsius hacks. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. with deposits in Celsius lost a heck of a lot of money, myself included, Rip. Um, it seems like they also uh, exposed all Celsius users to a data leak. Okay. Insane, this, dude. <laughs> this came about in, I guess, in, in the court system, some court documents that were leaked that basically um, docked the names because, of course, with Celsius, every account is AML KYC, so they have the identity and the amount of money individual Celsius holders actually had. And there's a way you can kind of back through some of that data and find mm-hmm. specific uh, crypto addresses, public crypto addresses that these individuals held as well. Nice. You essentially nice. just doxed the entire Celsius user base. Dude. As if losing your money isn't enough, now you've lost your entire privacy and everyone knows the net worth that you had on Celsius. Just kicking <laughs> you in the gut on the way out. Like <laughs> absolutely rude. insane, man. The, and like, Can you believe got, it? That, that Crypto Grifters video I made where I was like, Alex Mishinshi is the greatest grifter of all time. That God, that's aging so well right now. The other crazy thing is like, remember last week we talked about the Crypto Lark and how uh, he got Zach XBT because of, you know, like pumping tokens and then dumping them. Crypto Lark withdrew $2.5 million right before it froze. Like, not, I don't know, right before, I don't, I don't think there's a conspiracy here. Maybe he was just like luck that he withdrew 2.5 before it got frozen. But Crypto Lark, the scammer, got out. Got Jeez, out. Jeez, man. Uh, wow. It doesn't feel right. Uh, but you sell money in, right. in, inside of Celsius, don't you, Ryan? No, it's gone. I don't know where it is. I had money in Celsius, but yes. Um, I actually don't know what the status of my information is, but it's not looking mm. good, David. Rip. Rip on that, too. Double rip. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm right there with you, Bankless Nation, if you got sucked into this. Fortunately for me, it was just like (laughs) I was just kind of testing Celsius and this was um, play money. Sure. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Still sad. It wasn't play money for everyone. So that's unfortunate. Yes. And also sorry Um, people that got doxxed. But yeah, totally. It's brutal. Um, Board Ape Mm -hmm. Creator facing SEC probe over unregistered securities offering. So going after Yuga Labs, SEC. Maybe going after probing first. First you probe, you know, th- then you kind of drop your case. So SEC doing the old probe, and uh, Yuga Labs, of course, the creators of Board Apes, very f- prominent. Number t- is it number one, number two NFT number two, project? Number one. Number one. It's number one right now. Okay. Number one in market and, cap, not culture in my mind, but that's just my. Well, <laughs> what What's interesting is. Um, like one of the line items here is the SEC not only investigating Yuga Labs or the sale of the digital assets, right? Like they have a token, some other things, but the SEC is examining whether certain NFTs from the company are more akin to stocks and should sit, follow the same disclosure rules. The SEC is also examining the distribution of ApeCoin. Here's the thing, David, like 
I don't know what parts of the ApeCoin ecosystem and all the various parts, like what parts of those might be securities and what parts might not be. Um, but are they saying that like the JPEGs themselves, the Ape JPEGs themselves are securities? They, like, are, the thing they is, are investigating it. Yeah, the JPEG They're probing is it. And, right. and let me just say, like a probe itself is punishment. It's investigation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right. legal expenses. It's punishment. Yep. It has a chilling effect on the industry. And here's my beef with the SEC in, in this type of action is we don't actually know because they refuse to clarify. Are NFTs themselves, the JPEGs, are they securities? Are baseball cards securities? Are antique cards securities? Are pieces of art securities? Of course not. Okay. Do monkey JPEGs really need a 10K filing? Right. All right. Do, well, okay. Do so they, do they need security hat. My SEC hat is Yuga Labs is building out a metaverse, right? They took investment from like A16Z and many other people to build out like this or Yuga Labs board apes metaverse. And in that metaverse, a financial asset is a board ape. Uh, and so the metaverse has some sort of value to it, and the board ape is correlated or associated with that value. So is ApeCoin. Uh, and so it kind of actually does feel like a Howie test, Ryan. <laughs> I can't believe Something I'm taking the side be. of the SEC. I, but also but it just goes to show that we need better laws because it's a goddamn monkey picture. It's not a security. And we need to have permissionless building or else we're, this industry is not going to express itself the way it should. Here's the thing. It's just the SEC. They, they, they want to take a leadership position in crypto, but all they're doing is vaguely through, um, like through, through these sorts of charges and probes telling us very obscurely what we can't do, mm -hmm. but they're not telling us what we can do. Right. It's like, they're just suing us. Uh, yeah. Yes. They refuse to give us basic clarity. I, that's my big charge. And I, I think that, um, be, as a result of this, like, so, so for instance, um, I mean, it's probably no secret. We'd like to do more with bankless with, uh, some sort of membership NFT, right? Um, what's the status of that thing? How do we make sure that that's, how do we make sure that that's not defined? Like Gary Gensler's position is Ryan Sean Adams token, versus the SEC. That's what happens. Here, boy, do we need another one? Uh, <laughs> you, I'll you take, take the treasury. that one. Yeah, you take the treasury. I'll take the treasury. You take, take the SEC. Gen <laughs> hey, what about this world where Gensler becomes the next Janet Yellen? Oh God, that's a world that could happen too. Can we? Can I get a po app for suing the treasury? <laughs> Only if you win. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> You got to win for us, all right? <laughs> uh, anyway, craziness. Um, again, I, I'm sure there are things that are clearly securities, probably, but like we don't know what the bright lines are. And it feels like our regulators aren't willing to actually talk to the crypto community and uh, give us some clarity here. I, I just want some good faith, David. Um, on, the, on, the, on the releases side, L2Beat, you know L2Beat because they're showing you t uh, total value locked for different layer twos. Now they're also showing you total value locked for bridges and they're doing risk analysis of bridges, which feels very relevant. So you can look at the Polygon POS bridge, multi-chain rainbow bridge, Ronin V2 bridge, avalanche bridge, all of the bridges, and you can see how risky they actually are. So this feels like a, a very timely uh, release from layer two beat. And you could find that at layer two beat.com. Pretty badass. Uh, what's this one, David? Yeah, this is Nethermind making an announcement that they have taken Uniswap, kind of, 
and ported it over to StarkNet. So remember when we were going through all of the ZK EVM conversations, I was like, uh, uh, ZK Sync, EVM compatible, scroll and Polygon going after EVM uh, equivalents. And then there's StarkNet, which is just like, we don't care about the EVM, we're building our own thing, it's called Cairo. So they have taken Uniswap and they have rewritten it, tinkered it a little bit because that's what you have to do, and then applied it to the StarkNet ecosystem. So a Uniswap, sister thing, which is not exactly what Uniswap is because they had to change it, is now on StarkNet and they are calling it, uh, what are they calling it? UniStark, uh, because they had to rewrite it for StarkNet. <laughs> so UniStark, which is a Uniswap flavor, is now on StarkNet. That's really cool. Uh, obviously, you get the scalability of uh, StarkNet. Um, do you see this, David? Blockchain address is now available in Google Search. So if you just plug in a blockchain address, uh, Google will display it on Etherscan. I like this. Cool. I also worry about like Google data surveillance and you it's know, just it's just pulling your... from from Etherscan. It's not any more invasive than Etherscan. It's all public. Sure, sure. I guess this is true. Here's what I worry about, David. You start plugging in all of your uh, ETH addresses, for for example, in Google. Google already has a profile for David Hoffman, where it knows your search history, it knows like your browser history, it knows a lot of data about you. Yeah, but okay, it knows but, like, maybe where also, you are in Google Maps. You're also complaining about the business model of Zapper and Zerion. I don't. I'm I I'm pushing back on this. I think I'm this is complaining. Normal. I am only complaining because it's Google and like Zapper and Zerion do not have the scope of a data profile on me that a Google has, and so I just worry about these kind of long term effects. I'm I'm happy that Google added this. I just again, it's it's kind of like a how do we get out of this like Moloch trap of um, constant um, surveillance, tech surveillance of us, and uh, th that's the part that always gives me um, pause. But anyway, in the meanwhile, good job, um, David. You released a new. Bankless video here. Mm -hmm. What's this? Yeah, so this is that new Bankless YouTube account. There's new YouTube, uh, new YouTube video. It's like these hyper-optimized 15-minute uh, explanation of what Ether is. It's basically my triple point asset thesis, but if you are into these new videos, go check it out. All right, Uniswap Labs is announcing a $165 million raise in Series B funding to bring powerful simplicity of Uniswap to even more people. So congrats on Uniswap Labs. They are raising, and I believe that is the only raise of the week. However, Ryan, I can see on the ground at DevCon that definitely there is some deals being made there are deals being inked on the floor at defcon so there I, there is some activity it's definitely the biggest raise of the week i bet there are others that we missed but one thing that's happening we know is uniswap as a result of this funding uniswap labs is hiring the reason we know that is because they're on the jobs board it's our weekly reminder to tell you to get a job in crypto as david dances i'm going to read some jobs off for you uniswap labs needs a director of product management david i think that's, that's not technical okay uh, they also need a developer relations lead. Uh, probably not technical. Probably ish. Senior front end engineer at Uniswap, senior back end engineer. Those are definitely technical. Solid World DAO needs a senior Web3 developer. Rubicon, smart contract engineer. Bankless, still looking for a social lord. Optimism hiring a bunch. So is Rabbit Hole, so is CoinShift. Go head on over to bankless.palette.com slash jobs and uh, sign up so you get these in your inbox. Get a job in crypto. Now's the time. Guys, we got a lot more coming up, including. Uh, some hot takes from crypto Twitter. David, you've got some takes in the Coinbase documentary. I haven't watched it yet, but you have. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Guys, we are back with takes. First take, David, you watched the Coin documentary. It's called Coin, A Founder's Story. Uh, what's your review? How many stars? 
Five. Five out of five stars. Uh, I thought okay. it was super, super good. Uh, and there's also so many more movies about Ethereum, about crypto coming out, like documentaries. And I think it's going to be a, a really actually great onboarding and PR tool for crypto movies. It's like, yeah, let's tell you the story, the long-term story. Real humans. Like, real Not humans just the shadowy super things. coders. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Brian, he, Brian and Coinbase has always kind of been like a black box. It's a little bit, hey, what's what's going on over there? Like, <laughs> what, what you guys up to? Like, not for any particular reason. Brian's just kind of an intro, introverted person. And every time I learn more about Brian, either through his interview with Peter McCormick and then our podcast with him, he doesn't do very many public things. Uh, so this documentary was awesome just to see a, a, just the story of Brian and Coinbase. And I, and I tweeted out, every time I learn more about Brian, I discover more reasons to respect him. Uh, and so he's just a guy that saw, uh, he, he first Coinbase was a wallet and he was like struggling to find like a business model because no one had any Bitcoin. So he's like, oh, I'll just put in a buy button in the wallet and I'll let people buy Bitcoin so they can use my wallet. And then he turned, learns that like, actually that's the business is selling Bitcoin to people that want to buy it. And then the ball starts rolling downhill uh, and Coinbase just becomes huge. And and him and Fred Erickson started building this thing. And so like, as, as I've learned about Brian, he's gone from like, for me, just a successful founder to an industry leader to like a straight up personal hero. Like that guy has like done so much for the industry and I don't think we give him enough credit, but uh, that's my take of the week. Uh, the coin, the coin movie was great, and Brian's a Brian's a great guy. That, that that's awesome. I um I I think David in like the 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 crypto banks we're gonna have some banks that like stand up and uh, uphold crypto values for us. I'm hopeful Brian Coinbase is uh, among those. I think there will be sadly some other crypto banks that kind of uh, sell us out to the regulators and politicians and are not going to be fans of DeFi. And uh, those will emerge too. But um, I think Brian's always been here for the right reasons. And uh, yeah, we're um, like excited about that. Uh, David, this is a take from a congressman, Representative Bill Huzenga. Yeah, and Bill says, the fact that Gary Gensler has appeared twice with Jon Stewart before attending an oversight hearing with the financial crimes and enforcement and also the Democrats, uh, just like, you know, doing his job, is alarming. Appearing before Congress is part of your job, he says to Gary Gensler. We look forward to seeing you in 2023 under new leadership. So a congressman, a House of Representatives congressman is saying, Gary Gensler, stop going on Jon Stewart and start showing up at your job. Stop trying to be an influencer. Stop trying to be an influencer. Yeah, God. Ryan Sean Adams, here's a take from Ryan saying, apparently the era of easy money is over and crypto is just a speculative asset bubble that will never recover. And there was never real anything real here to begin with. And you should have sold the top, you idiot. And then he finishes his saying, hello, 2018. Good to be back. Wait, what do you mean? Good to be back. Thanks and why did you call me tone. an idiot? By, by the way, thanks for nailing the tone of that. It was just definitely uh, sarcastic. I, yeah. <laughs> it just feels very uh, 2018 to me. Like um, at a time where everyone's saying crypto is over, it was always a speculative asset. There's never anything really. Go to Reddit and try to say something positive about NFTs right now. You just get absolutely brigaded. And this reminds me so much of... Um, of 2018, honestly, where we had kind of the backlash on the back of ICOs and Ethereum was like nothing and there was no such thing as DeFi and all ICOs and all of crypto was a scam. Feels like 2018. Now, I know there are some differences. We've got war in Ukraine. We have like massive uh, macroeconomic um, you know, like pressures and things we didn't have in 2018. But that's what everyone says. There's always in 2018, people are like, no, this is this is different than the 2015 bear. Because like in this bear, X, Y, Z, right? And like everyone always says that. Anyway, to me, it's kind of home. It's back to 2018. It'll take some time to recover, but um, I'm super confident we're going to come back stronger. It just might take a little bit. Uh, David, 
What are you excited about this week, man? And why is it DevCon? <laughs> oh my God, DevCon has just been so fun, man. And this was a picture of me at Rave last night, Ave's like you know regular uh, party that they always throw. Uh, and this is uh, Dankrad. <laughs> so Dankrad Feist, this guy, super German, <laughs> always wears a collar in the middle of this. Uh, in the middle of this. Hey, you rave. said there were no suits. He's he's got the sports coat on. <laughs> it's different. It's different when it's Dankrad. Dankrad yeah. Dankrad doesn't count. He's just German. Uh, so I took this okay. this photo with uh, Dankrad at at, uh, at Rave last night. Uh, yeah, man. Like it's just it's so great to see all the builders around. This is like a big brain researcher behind yes. Proto Dankrad. Yes. By the way, this like, guy's like, like nose. Crazy Crazy polynomial level. math, and there's there's yeah. like rave lasers in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Crypto is great, man. Yeah. I love it. And it's, it's like the energy here is so awesome. And like even though it's the bear market, and people are sad about the prices. And my my metaphor for these these markets is like in the bull market, it's like a bonfire, but in the bear market, like the fire starts to dwindle. But the fire at, at DevCon is really strong. Uh, and like even the boys club event also last night uh, was just the the energy at boys club was crazy. And it's cool because boys club is like. I don't really think like boys club and like core layer one Ethereum protocol development. Like that's kind of like, they don't really boys mesh. club. Boys club, by the way, is uh-huh. a, um, it's a web three DAO it's a, that it's a social organization. Yeah. Yeah. For pr- primarily like, uh, representing women and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, non, non binary mm-hmm. people. So when yeah. people hear David say boys club, it's not yeah. like, it's like, it's a joke. It's a play on yeah. words. All right. It's yeah. not an actual yeah, it's, boys it's club for boys. Yeah. 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 But like the, the, the boys club showed up and through like one of the most high, like high energy vi- vitality events and everyone's having a really good time. Uh, and awesome. so like, as like energy is going out of the space, uh, and it's just a good move by Boys Club because they throw, that's what they do. They throw really good events. Parties? Really good parties. Uh, and there's not many like other conferences out there that have like enough life in them for, for them to throw a good event because like, you know, no one wants to throw a depressing event. So what do they do? Oh, they go to like the, the crypto nerds at the developers convention and then they throw a really good event there because that's where all the vitality is in this <laughs> industry. Because developers aren't going to throw their, they're going <laughs> to yeah. buy boxes of pizza, okay? Right. So. Yeah. And, uh, and like the cool thing about DevCon and why I'm so excited about DevCon is it's a tech conference. But it goes to very specific cities. It goes, in, it's not San Francisco. It doesn't go to New no. York. It goes to- Off the beaten path. Bogota. Bogota. It goes to Osaka. Columbia. It goes to Prague. And it's not just a tech conference. It's also a cultural conference. And that's because Ethereum's not just a technology. It's a social organizational it's a technology. It's a movement. And so it's so, and this is why the DevCon execution team is like, so sh- shout out to um, Skylar at the EF. They got a lot of else. pressure, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. For going to Colombia because you know right. pe- people are saying, "Hey, it's too dangerous. Like, right. you can't throw a conference there. It's yeah. not large enough." So, like, like do, people do have like bodyguards and stuff, but like, it's also like if you just live with common sense, like you you don't get yourself into trouble. I haven't heard anyone getting into trouble, but like leaning into the culture side of things for every city that we go to, and it's just like the right branding for Ethereum. What's, and what's the next uh, city, David? Uh, next year, people are like, this is where people like start to lobby. The EFs like I want to come to my city, so there's like a movement to get people uh, to get the e, uh, DevCon in uh, Turkey uh, in uh, Istanbul. I, I think it's going to be somewhere you uh, you don't suspect, right? And, oh, definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah. Istanbul would be one of the top places mm-hmm. I would not suspect, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, lots of lots Anyways, of places. That's what I'm bullish on. The fact that DevCon is not just a tech conference; it's also a cultural conference, and. I mean, it's important. This, this is where we come together as a community and hang out and make sure that we're not just like face down, buried in code all the time or in our that's, world podcasts. Well, that's awesome. That's <laughs> Anyways, awesome. What, are you, what are you bullish on, Ron? 
Um, I asked a question this week on Twitter. Um, sometimes you get good answers to questions on Twitter. Sometimes you get bad. I got a lot of good ones. Um, I said this, from the 2015 to 2016 bear market, we got Ethereum. From the 2018 to 2019 bear market, we got DeFi and NFTs. What's going to be the big thing coming out of this bear market, the bear market of, of 2022 that we're in? And um, I, I was just really excited about the range of different answers to the question because it wasn't just a consistent, like, there wasn't like a group think of, it's all gonna be this, or it's all gonna be that. Um, Impact DAOs, DeFi science, ReFi, Web2 uh, integrating uh, Web3, GameFi, broadening of NFTs uh, to research IP and NFTs, like music, video, and other verticals, more noob-friendly DeFi, social crypto, all of these answers to the question. Um, my answer to this question is probably the layup uh, answer, which is like layer twos. It seems so obvious that coming out of this bear market, layer twos are going to be like the absolute vanguard of crypto. Like they're going to be stronger. They're going to be in higher use. I don't know, David, uh, if you saw the um, the Ethereum quarterly report, you know, state of Ethereum report, um, like earnings report we released on Bankless last week. Um, ben put this together for our team. Ethereum's down in just about every category, right? Like revenue is down 86%. You know, uh, DeFi total locked values down 60%, stablecoin supply down 21%. Like, it's very clear that we are weathering a major contraction. But the bright spot was layer twos mm-hmm. are up, up 97%, only. about 100%. And we're doing that in a bear market. So this to me is like, these these are kind of the, the early saplings uh, they're, they're kind of on, on the tree of, um, you know, future, future life and, and future progress. So... Um, that's what I'm excited about, that no one actually knows what the next big thing is going to be, tells me that it could be almost anything and it'll be unexpected and that we're pursuing so many different use cases at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I just see obvious things like layer twos, which are going to be a big deal. 100%. 100%. Also bullish. All right, man. I know you got to get somewhere uh, real soon for DevCon, but uh, let's get to the meme of the week. What are we looking at here? Yeah, this is a, I can't remember what kind of flavor of comic this is, but uh, it's like the guy who's interviewing for a job and the job interviewer is asking, can you stop inflation without causing a recession? And the interviewee says, no, I can't. And then the guy says, okay, you're hired. And then it turns out that this is the Federal Reserve. (laughs) (laughs) Cyanide and happiness, that's what this is. Yeah, Uh, that was pretty good. Awesome. Very emblematic. All right, guys, uh, David's got to get to DevCon. I know he's going to be on stage presenting a few things. Actually, talking, I think, doing a panel yeah, coming up Yeah, I am soon. A moderating a, a panel that uh, is definitely stretching my technical ability. It's account construction, <laughs> so I'm, I have to finish up doing my research. But it is also the only panel that Vitalik Buterin is on on the main stage. So your boy's hosting that, that panel in a second. <laughs> he chose to do account abstraction as this thing mm-hmm. that he wants to talk about, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it mm-hmm. shows how important he thinks it is. Um, well, cool. We'll leave it at this then. Risks and disclaimers, as always, Got to tell you that crypto is risky. We're definitely on the frontier. ETH is risky. DeFi is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. It's the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.